Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Dom. Tori, how have you been in this last week when we haven't seen you? Mm, I've been good. Uh, Did you take too many injuries? (laughs) Yes, I took too many injuries. I had to take a healing potion and rest up in the inn. My understanding was that you were called away to defeat some sort of marauding army. That, that's partially correct. That, that's, the other piece of business has to do with uh, a volcano and some totems that I'm not really supposed to talk about. Fair enough. Just so you know, Amato, I was injured just enough. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't injured enough that you couldn't set up the audio equipment, so I don't really care beyond that. Fair enough. Wow. <laughs> What a great friendship y'all have. <laughs> friendship, right, yes. Uh, anyway, I think I cut you off as to saying what you were actually up to. Oh, um, well, I went to Maui and really? threw some things in a volcano. Okay, not yourself? Again, I'm not supposed to speak about that. Um, <laughs> Did you change your mind at the last minute? Again, not not supposed to speak about that. But. Joe vs. Volcano <laughs> was a good movie. I, You know what? That's actually not one I've never seen. Uh, I feel like I should, though. I've started that one and didn't finish it. Fair enough. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, something people talk about is, like, potentially a very bad movie or a very good movie. Go- yeah, okay, maybe very, good's not know. the right word for what it is. It's like, it's a movie, right? Like, people talk about it. They're like, I remember that one. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, I'll resist the urge to get into a an extended diatribe about how I'm not arguing that or whatever. Um, and we'll, we'll get into the... The actual content, I suppose. We have a podcast about a fanfic to do tonight. And the fanfic is called The Dragon's Child, a Xena Warrior Princess story. And we we still haven't seen any Xena. That hasn't changed since last time. (laughs) I was going to say, you were talking about being excited about doing a Xena fanfiction for the first time. Yeah, well, (laughs) Tropical Storm, I mean, it counts. There were just no warrior princesses in it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, yeah, you can't yeah. be a warrior princess in the financial world, Amato? <laughs> well, you can be a warrior. I don't know. Well, but the thing is, Xena wasn't a princess either, so whatever. It's kind of a wasn't it honorary a, title. Yeah, wasn't it like a rank yeah. in the Amazon village or something? Yeah, but she wasn't an Amazon. Gabrielle's the one who gets to be an Amazon princess, I believe. I think Xena's uh, pretty, pretty Amazon. Huh. That's interesting. I you, again, you know, as we I mentioned before, it's been a long time since I watched Cena. Mm-hmm. I really did like it when I watched it, but uh, I always yeah, she's a warrior princess. But yeah, her whole backstory is that she used to be like a some sort of like warlord, right? Yeah. Like, uh, but I don't remember where she's from or how that happened. Evil warlord turned player character is her basic <laughs> yeah. backstory. Um. Yeah, I I just thought that Xena is such a big fandom, and we haven't really gotten to engage with it yet, and so I wanted to go back and find something we could talk about, and I did my usual strategy for like when I just don't know a fandom at all, and you know don't know any anything in particular, which was find some old awards that people used to give out. And in this case, it's something called the Swollen Butt Awards, which were active from two thousand to two thousand four. The Swollen Also Awards. The Swollen wait, but what Bud? I said oh. Bud. You said butt. Okay. Bud. Bud. I'm glad. <laughs> oh, I, I heard butt and I was like very confused. That is not a very sexy name for awards. <laughs> I think it Swollen was supposed butt. to be vaguely sexual, but it wasn't like specifically oh. any specific kind of content. Except the fan lore article seems to imply that like it was possibly heavily weighted towards Zena Gabrielle. But I, I think that's what the whole fandom was weighted towards. I think that's kind of mm-hmm. like... The, the beating heart of yeah. the Xena Warrior Princess fanfic community. No, that absolutely... That absolutely is something sexual. <laughs> that sounds very gay. Yeah, speaking of which, this fanfic had about three times as much sex as I was expecting. Eh, what, what amount of sex were you expecting? I feel like sex is a zero to one range. It's just like a random encounter in D&D traveling from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. It's like in a normal story that's not explicitly smut, you'll either have none or you'll have exactly one, no more, uh, sex scene. But this is Xena fan fiction, so... Oh, oh, I see. Of course. What kind of 
chase fan fiction have you, have you been reading all these years? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's yeah, smut the, too. That's the other thing, though. <laughs> like, I don't know. I do feel like maybe it's just my experience, but a lot of fan fiction is has a lot of sex or at least romantic stuff in it. I guess even I guess I can think of a few counterexamples we have talked about already, like <laughs> yeah. more than one. But anyway, and I, I don't think it was badly used in this fanfic, but we'll get to that. Um, anyway, the this particular story won a the Quickie Award, which was for short stories, um, in the July fifteenth, two thousand set of awards for swollen B U D S. And I, I was looking for the short story awards because I wanted something short for tonight for scheduling reasons. Um, and I've also seen it referenced in, like, other people's lists of, like, thinking back on, like, old fan fiction from the huge, thriving Xeno Warrior Princess fanfic community from back in the day, and that kind of stuff. And other than that, I didn't know much about it. Hmm. By the way, I've been checking the wiki. Mm-hmm. Um, Xena is a warrior princess, but not an Amazon. The Amazons are Amazon queens. <laughs> okay. Mm. But I, I thought Gabrielle got to be an Amazon princess. No? Gabrielle's list... Is included in the list of Amazon queens. Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. So, ho- however that works. Sure. Uh, I guess I should mention this story, by the way, has an author, and the author's name is Dom. Benica. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is one of your old uh, Xena stories, Dom. I don't know if you remember. It's one of my more productive fugue states I've had. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen King style, right? You just, like, don't remember writing it. No, this is, I guess, Domenica. D-O-M-E-N-I-C-A. Huh. Um, nice name. An, an author who I was not able to contact because, you know, too long ago. Anything we want to talk about other than just being generally not super familiar with Xena anymore? Like, we <laughs> talked about that last time for Tropical Storm. Right. But before we jump into this... Anything... You're talking about, like, Xena-specific? Yeah, I guess. Like, or, yeah, anything before we really start talking about the fanfic. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about? Yeah, not really. Yeah. I, I chose this fanfic partially because I saw that it was like post-series, and I thought like, oh, okay, so it won't be engaging with the continuity in quite as granular a way as some things. And boy, was I wrong. Is anyone here familiar with how the series ended? No, not really. Hmm. Uh, I guess we should have looked that up, actually. <laughs> I thought they they got to, like, Zena and Gabrielle kind of, like, ended up, I don't getting it wasn't necessarily getting married, but like they kind of rode off into the sunset together. Hmm. <laughs> Something that it applied that you know they were finally together and blah blah blah. But that could just be my imagination. Well, we can talk about what's presented in the fanfic. That's fine, and you can find a link to a copy of this fanfic at bit.ly/rfrdragon. That's what we're gonna go with, and it's kind of in three HTML parts. With all those uh, links, I'm always surprised that this is the first time we've come across that particular word. There's a lot of words in English, is the thing. <laughs> but how many fanfics are there that talk about dragons, like, in relative to, like, other things that have names? Well, based on our current sample, mm-hmm. it's about a 1 in 72 chance. <laughs> so well, that's, like, what, 1.5%-ish? Well, we're also not looking at, like, Xena fanfiction specifically, I think. It's probably all dragons all the time. Or Hercules fanfiction. We literally <laughs> just had a Dungeons & Dragons fanfic that is a with point. a dragon. We also had an Utena fanfic with a dragon. That's true. So I'm saying there are dragons. It's just this is not the one in the title. Yeah, that has dragons in the title. Surprisingly, this one had not many actual dragons, as in zero. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, I'm going to throw out another bad crossover idea. Hercules Legendary Journeys mm-hmm. slash Hercules Animated Series. Like the one from the... The Disney movie, The yes. Disney one. Yeah. Not the Disney movie. The, no, no, the, 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 the TV show the... based on the movie, definitely. Second thought. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Hercules live-action show crossover with Andromeda. What's Andromeda. Uh, well, it's what my dad used to call Hercules in space because it was the guy who played Hercules, but he was a starship captain. I thought it was the same guy. Yeah, yeah and uh, I used to really like that show. And the one thing I remember is that like the the spaceship interface is like a, a sexy lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mod- Andromeda is that show that was on when you were a kid and didn't have cable and didn't have anything else to watch. Okay. On yeah. Sunday afternoons. Yeah. It's like it. It would be some like I watched at the same time. I like watched Hercules and Xena. You know, around and the like same age. that Aqua like, show where, where like the, there was a submarine. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> and, I, for, and Forescape. 
Farscape for yeah. sure. I but think I just spent too much time playing ZZT oh, yeah, to get right. all these. <laughs> so they're probably all on Sci-Fi Channel, actually, when I think about it. I probably just watched a lot of Sci-Fi Channel. Well, anyway, the fanfic, The Dragon's Child, it's all post-Xena series, and it's kind of a series of vignettes, more or less. Uh, I mean, they tie together. Vignette might not be the right word exactly, but kind of short chunks. And the very first one is just kind of Gabrielle and Xena parting, and it's kind of like... The, the quote that starts the fanfic in prologue separation is, what is it you want from me? And that's Xena asking. And it's like, oh, after all we've been through, but Gabrielle just says nothing and walks away. Mm. And we don't learn immediately what led to that. I don't have a cl the clearest idea. Well, no, no, they go into it later. Yes. They go into it later. And, um, and that's them parting. Mm-hmm. Just, mm -hmm. to, just to set us off. And after that, it kind of goes back and forth between Gabrielle and Xena for a while in an, a slightly unclear time frame. Well, before that, we have the little uh, Bard's Tale interlude of the dragon. No, that's after the prologue there. I have it right here. Yeah, no, it's after. Yeah, Xena stepped back into the darkness, the forest of her soul. Part one, Emerald's Children. The Bard looked around at the oh, tavern. Yeah, but that, the, the Bard is Gabrielle, though. Yeah. So it's going so back then, and forth between Gabrielle and Xena. Well, there's difference between... Uh, Gabrielle's narrative and Gabrielle telling a story as a bard. That's true. Okay, so yeah, we do have Gabrielle telling a story as a bard, which is kind of fun, like for an audience in a tavern, it's like what she does. Yeah. Yeah. It's very fairy tale. Yeah, so it really does kind of go, there's what, seven, eight parts in this, mm -hmm. and it, it really does switch between like, yeah, part one is the, the bard telling the story of a dragon. And then part two moves back to Xena, so we kind of go... But you're right, it's not actually now. back and forth, because Dom did get on... There There are three types of chapter, which is Gabrielle telling a story, mm -hmm. Gabrielle talking actually about like stuff that happened in the past with mm -hmm. Xena, and then Xena. Yeah. Yes. Right, yeah. so you're right, that's a good distinction. Uh, the story is basically like a, a dragon starts taking you know, like a sacrifice of a child from a town and the town keeps giving up the ch children they don't want. And it turns out at the end, the dragon's like being an awesome dragon parent to them. Yeah, <laughs> I like, actually really liked that story. It was really cool, yeah. It was interesting, yeah. I, like, it wasn't surprising, but like, it was well told. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing, yeah, the dragon does is the dragon has also lost a bunch of their own children. So mm -hmm. like, the, yeah, the town keeps giving up children. It's like ones they're like... Oh, that was a bad child, or that was a useless child. No one's really going to miss this child. Yeah, and it was, like, pretty upsetting. <laughs> and then you kind of get to a point where the town has finally given up all of its children. All of its expendable like, children. You're yeah. expendable, yeah, that's literally what they say, and you're just like, what does that mean? But also these people suck, but then if right. they go and they see that the, they finally feel regret. Well, because they killed the dragon to, like... yeah. Well, yeah. no, they're finally, like, they actually, like, mourn the children, finally. Well, it starts off also... in the story, um, but the smoke from the dragon's nose showed that her fire was fully fueled. And, besides, the village had been a quieter place without that, that awful child. <laughs> so they found another child whom no one would mourn and gave that one to the dragon. And so yeah. it went, from year, year to year. Yeah, and it's, eventually it hits a place where the town's like, what, basically, like, what have we done? But also, why did we not think to just, like get rid of the dragon in the first place is kind of what they think. And you're just like, okay. And yeah, but, I know what you mean, Dom. It's not exactly surprising, but like it's, it's yeah. always kind of, there's a satisfaction seeing someone tell a fairy tale in a fairy tale format. That is a brand new fairy tale. Yeah. Like yeah. it's such a, you know, old genre that like, there's right. just some satisfaction there. And because it's a fairy tale, you don't really need to question like, the weird and awful nature of no. these villagers. It's like, okay, the villagers <laughs> suck, I get it. Moving yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> but the dragon being, you know, kind and, oh yeah, the thing I was gonna say is that she lost all her children, so she names each, she renames each child after one of her lost children. And then there's a society there. That's pretty neat. I've got the concept for tale. my next D&D PC. Yeah, right? There you go. Raised by a dragon. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. In like a <laughs> dragon-built society right. where like, they actually say that the first two kids actually got together and had their own child. So, like, they're building a society. And if you've got, like, you know, a dozen, like, dragon foster siblings, like, that's... The DM's gonna love your backstory, because it's like, oh, I, I've got so many hooks to work with here. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can just throw in some dragon foster sibling as, like, an antagonist or, like, ally or someone asking you to do something anytime I need yeah. to. 
And I love this idea that, like, a dragon being, you know, thousands of years old is, like, still raising them even after they're grown and they've had their own children. <laughs> and the dragon's, like, almost like a god to this, like, little community or... Or a, I don't know, mayor of the town, something like that, like parent to a whole village, basically. Well, it's a patron, right? Yeah, but also like the dragon still raises them, you yeah. know, like it's yeah. So well. then that bard part ends with a drunk yelling at the bard to tell tell stories about Xena. Yeah, I like that. I want a story about Xena, one where she's a do-gooder or one where she's a warlord. Don't matter, just so she kicks butt. <laughs> and Gabrielle's like, kicks butt, kicks butt. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bud, no, no, kicks no, Bud. No, no. And Gabriel's like, I don't know any stories about Xena. None that I will tell. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but I like the idea that, like, that's the pop culture, you know, in this society. Yeah. It's like someone someone Zena. asking a musician to, like, play some song they've played a million times and they're sick of it. And, like, they want to do their own songs. And it's like, no, play. I don't know. What do musicians get asked to play? Freebird. Free <laughs> <laughs> I went to the same well, place. It's not quite like asking no, them no. to play Freebird. I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah, like really popular song that you know an artist got has one or two really popular songs, but they have like a million more songs they've written over the last decade. Well, like McCartney's still making music, right? So, yeah. So it's probably like that. When yeah. they have a new album and they're touring that, like no, no, play, play yesterday. Yeah. And it's like yeah, fine. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, then we switch over to part two, which is called the Bard Story, and. It made me laugh the way this starts out, because it starts out with, this is Gabrielle, right? She says, people have always liked to guess if Zena and I were lovers. Wherever we went, the whispers were there. Are they? Aren't they? And she goes through all these like different rumors that went through. And, then, and it makes it sound like maybe she's annoyed at that, but then she's like, oh, no, I'll just tell you everything. And like she tells you like the blow-by-blow of their whole relationship. I, I like that there's some repetition at the beginning. It's like... Mm -hmm. Uh, wherever we went, the whispers were there. Are they? Aren't they? And then after another paragraph or two, it's like, were we? Weren't we? Of course we were. <laughs> it was like, that's great. And this is the first of three sections that lead into extended sex scenes that are, it's an interesting way of doing it. And I, I appreciate it as a continuity nerd. What the author's doing is reconciling them having a sexual relationship very specifically with the stages of their relationship in the series. And it's like, well, when would they have hooked up and why here? And when would their relationship have changed over here? And when would, like, you know, this have fallen apart here? And it's like, it's clearly all tied into specific stuff that I know nothing about from the series plot continuity. Yeah. But, like, they're trying to kind of build on that in the very kind of extra... Um, uh, very fanficy kind of way, I feel like. Like hmm. writing in the margins. Writing in the margins, yeah, that's yeah. what I was going for. It's yeah. like where there is space, they're trying to fill in that space. Mm -hmm. As opposed to presenting this as like something that's not canon compatible or like, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, like, they, they, they talk about it, and for example, the, they close out the first part. This was the first stage of our relationship, and even then, uh, capitalized, we were. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And the basic theme of this sex scene is that Xena is, like, really taking the lead. Mm -hmm. It's like Xena's, like, teaching her the the pleasures of the flesh yeah. kind of thing. Well, like, points to one of the things that I kind of didn't like about mm -hmm. Xena, which is Gabrielle was supposed to be, like, a teenager when they first meet. So Xena's always kind of in this position of power over her. Well, but... that's, that's kind of addressed here, not in... More in the experience part than the age part. It's, like, definitely a unequal relationship at this point. Well, it kind of came off in the first part that Zena was just using Gabrielle, pretty much. That's, yeah, that's that's definitely raised, and, like, it's you never see this from Zena's perspective, mm -hmm. so yeah. it's all kind of, like, Gabrielle's interpretation of some of this stuff. Uh, interpretation and reflection. And reflection, yeah. Yeah. I think, overall, the story does a good job of treating that as an arc, but, yeah, it starts out with Gabrielle learning sex from Xena. It's like her first time. Mm -hmm. And Xena is kind of like, I don't know, it's almost like, uh, it's, uh, she's taking on like, almost like a stone butch role, except she also gets her own pleasure from mm -hmm. pleasing her partner, which I guess is like a stone butch thing to do too. Like, yeah, she like doesn't let herself be touched. This is but the first time I've also... heard the phrase stone butch in my life. <laughs> oh, That's well. Not, no, I, I get it from context. It's, yeah, it's just people who, like, 
lesbians mainly, but I think, like, over time we've, you know, learned another trans narrative that applies to this, but, like, Mm -hmm. it was always, yeah, butch women who, like, who didn't want to be touched in their own bodies, but, like, give pleasure to their lover was giving, was the pleasure that they got, and that's pretty much what Xena does, um, at first Mm -hmm. with Gabrielle. Yeah. And anything, let's see, anything else to talk about? With that scene in particular? Mm, it's not a bad sex scene, and I think it's pretty good description of, like, a lot of lesbian sex. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that it's not... Like, Gabrielle's totally into it, but, like, and Xena's also, like, kind of very respectful. Yeah. It's, like, a pretty wholesome sex scene, all yeah. in all. Mm-hmm. I think it could have gone a bad place, and it did not. No, there's... It's not in explicit words, but basically there's like a check-in for consent early on, and like yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's fine. And the even the teenage thing doesn't bother me too much, Tori, because like I remember seeing the first couple episodes of Xena, and Gabrielle, like she's not presented as a teenager in a modern sense. It's like she's she's the young person, she's the inexperienced person, but she's like an adult person. Yeah. I feel like in the context of the series, she's not supposed to be a kid person exactly, just like a a like youthful adult, yeah. I feel like. Well, yeah, and the actress who plays her is older, <laughs> so, you know, we can mm. be like, okay, uh, this is also, like, a different time, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Well. I think, but I think the biggest, like, um, I sometimes it's an issue of, like, experience, like, Gabrielle's clearly never had sex mm-hmm. before, but I think the way this plays out is good, because Xena's, like, pretty respectful of that. There is this weird thing about, though, her not wanting to penetrate her because of virginity which i find to be yeah. bis- absurd well, that, but that will anyway. have to throw out to like yeah the the fantasy past right. setting like where yeah. it's like oh it's got to be important right whatever whatever but going into part three i've got to say in terms of like dark fantasy comedy the first couple of paragraphs of part three uh made me laugh <laughs> <laughs> it's called part three simple courtesy it starts out Wise men stay out of her way, Mecco the barkeep told the surly stranger. Why should I walk carefully around her, the man asked. She should watch out for me. (laughs) The barkeep, who was the one who mopped up spills, be there beer or blood, shook his head sorrowfully. He calculated the amount of sawdust remaining in the bucket behind the bar and thought about the amount of blood this big bandit had in him. Too little sawdust. Entirely too much blood. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I, I love that blue collar worry about all this. It's a great line. I can't know. clean this up. Oh come on! But it like it, it sets it up so well for like they don't they could have said it's a show not tell like they could have mm-hmm. said Xena kills all these dudes right <laughs> but instead they have they literally just switch to the random barkeep's perspective for just this ran out of sawdust. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's great because it it doesn't just tell us about Xena killing these dudes, which we could probably infer. It tells us right. this whole setting, how they clean up the bar and where they are and, like, establishes kind of a place and establishes that they know Xena there and blah, yeah. blah, blah. It does a lot. And then after that, Xena, for being, like, drunk and belligerent, does a great job of trying to avoid the conflict altogether, but the drunk man... Picks a fight. Picks a fight anyways. Yeah. Then, like, Xena drank half of her new drink inside. A wary sound. Outside, Mako asked quietly. <laughs> she nodded. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just please, outside. Yeah, yeah, fine. fine. And, and so she takes the dude outside and, you know. Then Xena walks back in. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. And at the very end, not bad, thought Mako, for someone who had been drunk for three days. <laughs> so apparently Xena's been drunk for three days. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So that was part three. Yeah, that's that all part, part three. three. Yeah. yeah. And part four, we're back to, like, the continuing sexual relationship saga. And the gist of it is that Xena, be- not Xena, Gabrielle, you know, stuff happens. She becomes, like, a an Amazon queen or princess or whatever. And imp- the implication is that she maybe has some experiences with other women. And then she's able to kind of, like, re engage the sexual relationship with Xena on more of an equal footing where it's not just like you're teaching me as we left the territory of my new people I was giddy with the newness of capitalized me mm-hmm. there's and, and I mean part of it is sexual experience and part of it is that confidence or that kind of like yeah identity 
outside of being Zima's sidekick, mm. which probably right. translated into a lot of how she interacted with her. There's actually one specific thing that she meets someone named Terrace, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's someone from the original series it's or not. It's definitely but... someone from the original okay. series. But, I mean, this is just the kind of fanfic yeah, where it would be. I, I think so, especially because, I, you know, this is something that happened to Gabrielle that she went and mm-hmm. became an Amazon queen. But anyway, the, she told me that women were the equals of men and that men lorded over us only because we let them. And she looked at Xena when she said this. It was almost two years before I understood that she wasn't only talking about women and men. Mm-hmm. So I think Gabrielle learn something which is that there's been kind of a, a power dynamic in her relationship with Xena for sure and she can draw the parallel between you know the misogyny of the time but also that there are power dynamics in every relationship and so yeah she walks away understanding this and feeling more confident so they kind of explain away apparently what happened in some episodes as I'm checking the wiki here because mm-hmm. here's Tereus oh yeah and- she dies yeah, they, they yeah, basically I, had that whole paragraph talks about what they covered in the fanfic also. Mm-hmm. I actually remember her. That was actually a good story arc. You showed me the picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, I mean, she put it explicitly, and my relationship with Zena moved to the second stage, right? And uh, she uses the term self-respect that, like, what... what Terry's Terry's ter- 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 <laughs> real gift to her was herself was. Gabrielle gaining self-respect. And um, then there's another extended sex scene. Yeah. And so, like, well, I... Uh, before we talk about that, I'd just sure. like to mention, in that part and the earlier parts, there's a lot of use of capitalized words to emphasize things. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I went through trying to highlight them, trying to see which one they were. A lot of them are nouns, pronouns, and um, adjectives. Her and me and... Yeah, the bard, warrior, oh. princess, foot, stoic... We were, me, mm. my, the other, that then we weren't, then there's him. Mm-hmm. So just like emotional emphasis on these kind of parts that are in the middle of the flow of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it does. It breaks the flow a little bit. It causes the reader to like well, to pause. And, and, I, and I think and it, what it... Oh, sorry, sorry. Go on. Oh, no. I was going to say it causes the reader to pause and evaluate where they are in the story and why these are being made important at this time. And a lot of times those are like me or her. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, I think because this is about their relationship stops and makes you think about the position of each of Xena and Gabrielle, both every time you're looking at those personal pronouns or those descriptors of them. Yeah. And I kept walking period. My capitalized way. And what I, what I just realized right then, which is why I tried to talk over you (laughs) is that what it also does is, emphasizes the idea that this is being verbally told to you by a storyteller, meaning oh, Gabrielle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That like, is like a verbal storytelling style. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Put, put the right emphasis and the pro- proper syllable. And I didn't yeah. think about that until just now. But, mm-hmm. like, it's definitely keeping with kind of the oral storytelling theme of the story and of Gabrielle as a character. Like, if this was in Japanese, those would be, be in katakana or something. For sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, uh, the other thing... To say, well, do we have anything else to say about that? I was going to say about the sex scene here. If you have something to say about the sex scene, go for it. Yeah. I, I don't have much say, to say. Well, I was going to say is it's Gabrielle gains confidence and now she takes the lead and she is the dominant one in this <laughs> sex scene, yeah. basically. And, and Zena also And Zena's opens fine with up. that, right. Yeah, yeah. She, she gets naked. She allows, you know, Gabrielle to touch her and, you know, take control in that situation. And I, I think had we gotten this from Zena's perspective, that might have been something important for Xena, mm-hmm. you know, too. Because mm-hmm. one thing about, like, there's, like, a lot of intimacy, like, letting yourself be open to that involves a lot of trust. But anyway, it I think it's implied that Xena trusts her more and also Ga- Gabriella's confidence. So now the power balance in their relationship is kind of equalized yeah. through that. And that's definitely the point. And I don't care about the sex scenes in this <laughs> But I do appreciate that they are at least there to demonstrate a point each time. They are, yeah. Like, very right. specifically. Like, I, I feel like it's maybe... <laughs> it's like she demonstrates it one way and then she demonstrates it another way. So in that sense, it's a little bit redundant, storytelling-wise. But, like, it's, it's, not, it's not, like self-indulgent or pointless you know it's there for a reason i actually think that the sex scenes do something different um at least in this 
part, but I think in the other parts too, Gabrielle has a revelation and then her relationship with Xena changes because of it, but the way the relationship changes is reflected in the sex scene. Right, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, they're they're all different for the stage they are in the relationship at that time. I guess if you didn't do that, it would just be her telling you things changed, which is probably much worse writing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they're well-written scenes. Makes sense. But for sure. And they've got variety too, right? It's also, it's something completely different each time, basically. So, like, it has that going for it. Yeah. They, they are themselves not repetitive. Um, speaking of changing pace, chapter, part five, we're back over to Xena, and it turns out she's not just, like, sitting around in a tavern drinking because she's sad. She's waiting for someone. Mm-hmm. And she's waiting for some people who are picking her up, like, to... Uh, I, I guess the, the taking her to go join an army to fight some other marauding army. I don't think... I didn't pick up that Xena was waiting. I think Xena was just there and they found Xena. Uh, no, they, didn't they say that she when they people finally show up, she's like, you guys are late or something like that? I thought so. No. Where? They just... Xena was too pickled to recognize them because these are people that Xena worked with. In the no, past. no, says, down here. Where is that? She meets up with the person who summoned her, and she says, Thelonious, your message said urgent, and I spent almost four days at a tavern waiting for your men. Oh, okay. I yeah. think I've had enough rest. Just missed yeah. that, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, it's it's interesting. She's being called into assistant army. Is Thelonious an established character? Is this like a friend of hers? Do the um, wiki. Have, yeah, do you have the Xena <laughs> yeah. wiki? I spell Thelonious. T-H-E-L-O-N-I-U-S. Phil... Reunions, yeah. All right, a person. Yeah, this this person who has a picture of them being wet on the wiki. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Like drenched in water, I'm guessing. Yeah, we might want to clarify that. In this <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. And so I thought ambiguity was part of the fun. <laughs> Thelonious is leading a well-funded but inexperienced army, and she shows that a couple of ways. And one of them is just saying like, "Oh, a few young men strutted around the camp, their belts drooping with the weight of daggers and swords. Amateurs, but well armed." And that's, like, fine. But the fun way is that, like, when she goes in the command tent, they have this, like, really classy, like, you know, battle map of the campaign set up with, like, custom-crafted little figurines of the various generals. And it's very amusing, and she's just kind of, like, raises an eyebrow and, you know. Yeah. Well, I think because it looks like a chess game is why she finds right. it amusing. But By but. the way, Thelonious is from Hercules, Legendary Journeys. Oh, okay. Um... And Higginson was only credited as villager, and his name comes up from dialogue. So that's where the character is, like, a very, very minor character, apparently. I guess so. Yeah. Interesting okay. that they brought them back. It yeah. sounded like a character that was established. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, in some way. Yeah. It didn't feel like we, we the reader who are supposed to have seen all of Xena, needed to know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this, you know, enemy implicitly maybe bad guy army is being led by someone they describe as a giant. And her first thing is like, is he like as big, as much bigger than you as this figure of him is? Yeah. And they're like, yes. And she says, that's not a giant. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big person. That's just a very big person. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they want to do all these fancy strategy and she's just like, wait, you're just, let me just go kill this guy for you. (laughs) Basically. Also, like, all the generals around are wearing, like, obviously looted stuff that, that they didn't earn and don't know how to use. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of flavor here, but yeah. the funny part is that Xena does, and she goes to fight this guy, mm-hmm. and that's basically what happens. Like, she fights She calls guy. him out as a challenge. She's it, just like, look, whoever wins, their army goes home. Like, the other person's <laughs> army goes home. Right. It's not a badly written fight scene. It's just like, I'm going to fight him, I do, and I win. No, it's, like, it's not a badly written fight scene. But, uh, yeah, there's not much to be said about what actually happens there, I think. Well, then again, this is Xena, right? Yeah, right. So that's good point. So Xena's going to win a fight. Right. Yeah. Xena wins the fights. Um, but I do think this plot is, like... Well, I think it's mostly about Gabrielle's narrative, and that's right. why it's not focused on. But, yeah, this plot's pretty simple. Like, there'd be something else going on in the Xena episode, you know? <laughs> I, I like the little detail of, like, um, one of the person from Thelonious's army comes to, like, help Xena and Xena like recognizing that like oh he's young but he's probably going to be an okay soldier when he oh, yeah. when he grows up and then then she hands him the reins to her horse and says like if I lose ride like Hades out of here don't go back to your own camp you can have my war horse right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was very, I liked that too yeah it was like looking out for this person who she randomly 
has a slight liking to, which yeah. seems very Xena. Looking out for random stuff, and a very soldier, like, hey, if I die, take my stuff and go. Yeah, for sure. And also yeah. just, like, the contrast between Xena, like, I will go challenge the incredibly deadly person with, like, full demeanor confidence. Mm -hmm. And also, it's like, well, she, she knows she might just die. Just pragmatic. Right, Prag yeah. right, exactly. Pragmatic. She never just get killed by this guy. And definitely she has that in her head, too. Um, the th I don't really get what they're going for with Xena's character here. It's just, like, is it because, like, she's no longer with Gabrielle that she just kind of is looking for stuff to do and, I guess, willing Probably. to, like, kind of throw herself into possibly deadly circumstances? I guess that's the idea. Well, she's kind of... I, I think her, her character is pretty much, like, you know, brash warrior. I don't remember her drinking a lot, though, in the show. But we've kind of... I don't know, I've, I've seen that more in, in fan fiction, that she's kind of an archetype of, like, a getting drunk brash warrior. I find like she's more collected in the in the show, and a little mm. more cautious. But, but do you think well, this is more in line with the Xena from the show? Because I think Amon and I are kind of showing our um, inexperience with the series, with not knowing if this fits Xena or not. I remember her being, like, uh, like yeah, I guess... Um, a strong warrior, but not, like, eager to fight. Um, mm. But, you know, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I always kind of thought, like, yeah, she wasn't, like, going into it for the battle. She's going into it to help people kind of, it, and make atonement. And she's kind of serious, but she's also very compassionate. Was, was Zena pretty uh, mercenary about stuff sometimes? Because this seems like it a, seems a job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think so, but, you know, don't quote me on that. I always felt like she'd end up in a situation where she was like helping out a town or something and she'd like take care of the children and then fight the enemy you know she's like very compassionate so i think we're than... supposed to take it here as just her kind of like being at loose ends and mm -hmm. like needing to find something to commit herself to probably just that doing something because yeah. probably just doing it because they asked her to yeah yeah i yeah. know uh, she doesn't clearly also, she doesn't like, clearly force in this race is... in terms of the actual conflict mm -hmm. yeah um yeah, the drinking doesn't seem right for her character either, because she I think she's like be more responsible than that. But. I think she's supposed to have the sads. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Whatever well, form that takes. Because we yeah, after she kills the not giant, I think we kinda get a peek into why she might have the sads. Mm hmm. Well, in chapter six is back to Gabrielle's narrative. And this is really continuity focused. So she's talking about why she and Xena sort of um, fell apart as lovers for a while. I kind of liked how it started, though. The, just the first line. Read it. For a while, we weren't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, capitalized. And Yeah, because there was that repetition of aren't they, aren't they, were we, weren't we. Yeah. yeah. And even not knowing Xena continuity, I am enough of a continuity fan that I appreciate the author's deafness in explaining why it is that Xena might have, like, married somebody else for a little while in the show and, mm -hmm. like, getting space for these other canon relationships that she needs to make space for before, like, getting them back together. When we were doing our first episode, I d when I did my Xena research, I did kind of read a part read about this part of the continuity where both of them uh, split up and, like, get married mm -hmm. and, like, th they both die or kill each other's husbands or something. I can't remember what happens, but they both Yeesh. get upset about it. Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it uh, seemed kind of at odds with the lesbian narrative that seemed to be more prevalent in later in the series, mm -hmm. I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, Xena started out with her having some romance with, like, Hercules and some other men and stuff. But then when she gets together with Gabrielle, like, that's pretty steady. But I don't think that happens early on. I think that happens, like, at least in the second season. Right. And, like, this marriage stuff happened in, like, the, in the middle of the series or something. Yeah. Or yeah. the middle. Anyway, yeah, what what happens here, and this is the only part where I'm like, okay, I kind of get where they were going with the virginity thing, mm -hmm. is that Gabrielle says, well, I assume we'd be friends forever, but only lovers as long as we were warriors on the road together, because we both want, at least I would want to have children. And we're talking about, like, a world in which the only way to have children was to, like, yeah. get together with a... An, a cis man and get pregnant and marry that man. So I totally get where Gabrielle's coming from. Like, if you want to have kids, like, that's the path you take. And, and it, it was established early yeah. in the fanfic, too, that, like, one of the ways, one of the romance, not romance, one of the sexual relationship tropes that people are used to in this society is that idea of, like, oh, yeah, we're together as long as, like, we're on the campaign trail, and then mm -hmm. we split up and go back to peacetime. Mm -hmm. So totally. it's like, that. that's a 
that's a trope narrative that they have in their heads is like normal. And mm-hmm. Zena and Gabrielle had not been communicating about like what are we to each other long term. Right. And then and so Gabrielle it, just assumes because Zena hadn't penetrated her, as they put it, taken her virginity, that she was letting you know that be for her. She husband. was expecting yeah. expecting Gabrielle to like go off and get right. married and, to a guy. But that's right. Gabrielle's assumption. Right. So we never get a clear picture of that. Well it's also Zena's assumption that like Gabrielle anyway, yeah. So no. so it's it's lack of communication. Yeah, this is a scene where they hash it out. Right. And it's a lack of communication issue, and the solution is communication, and they communicate. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, coming together as lovers in a way where it's like, oh, we told each other we love each other. It's not just, like, what what we're doing in bed at this moment. Right. So, like, uh, the, the other two scenes were, had, like, a clear, like, um, top and bottom. And right. Then, and they switched it for the other scene. And this one's more trying to come together without any status there, mm-hmm. more just as a well a new relationship really yeah yeah new relationship energy mm. and and that's the that's the point of it <laughs> <laughs> and so we've got a few more chapters seven we get another fairy tale and this fairy tale it, it's also children it's also dragons well this part also starts with the bard and the first line is tell us a story about xena <laughs> <laughs> so it's back to that popular culture freebird thing right um the the bard who had learned to ignore that voice continued the story with which she had decided to end the night's entertainment and there's like a dragon hunter who kills dragons but finds a dragon kid and it's the orc baby's problem mm-hmm. um but you know the the hunter is like oh dragons are evil but this this dragon seems so chill and cool and like goes back and races yeah. the dragon actually it's really well written it's another well written um, fairy tale is the thing well like, it, but even just that it's good part that description is like the hunter had assumed that dragons were there's something about how people feared them because they were so like disgusting and ugly but he realized that they they were actually like awesomely beautiful and no, or something like that. That's not right? exactly right. Having been taught by his father, a famous dragon hunter, how naturally ferocious and mean were these shining beasts, he was surprised at the gentle and tractable nature of the one he was raising. This one must be the exception, well, he told himself. Before that before that. Oh before that. Now, there we go. Now most people are of the belief that dragons are ugly beasts. Fearsome monsters no man can stand to look upon. But but the truth is that dragons are fearsome and hard to look upon because they are so very beautiful with an iridescent beauty that can break the heart. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then it goes on. The hunter looked upon this dragon. It was so small and vulnerable that inside of breaking the hunter's heart, it ca- instead of breaking the hunter's heart, it captured it. And yeah. it's like, uh, such a nice... I, I, it's so well-written. Yeah. I really like that part. Yeah, and there's that... It, there's, it, it feels very human with the cognitive dissonance of this hunter going out from making a living killing dragons in order to raise his dragon and have, like, you know, the money to do it. Yeah. I mean, um, I also love the idea that it's like it's a fearsome. The dragons are like fearsomely beautiful too. Mm-hmm. It's like in a crazy, interesting juxtaposition. And there's some things with the dragon, like eating, you know, animals or maybe people or whatever. Well, just doing dragon things, and the, the hunter gets upset. Then the then the dragon says, "I'm I'm sorry, Papa. I don't know any better. I'm a dragon." Right. You, yeah. you have to tell me these things. The mm-hmm. dragon says more than once, and the hunter fails to do so. Yeah. But... And it's that same repetition, like a yeah. fairy tale repetition. Right. Yeah. We just keep on that... escalating. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing happens, and like different things happen, but the dragon says the same thing. And eventually, the hunter gets hired to hunt their own dragon. Yeah. Who has learned how to fly? Mm. And like when the hunter faces down the dragon, the, the the child, right? The dragon's like so excited about flying, and the hunter's like. I'm just angry at first, but then right. just like talks like, you know, good for you, dragon. Good job of flying. In fact, fly away. Yeah, please. fly away from here. Go fly to mm-hmm. where there's other dragons. Find and other go dragons, be the be best happy. dragon you can be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, it's very sweet. Then he very realized yeah. what she had been telling him since she had her first words. I'm a dragon, Papa. And he finally knew this was true. He had been her Papa, taking care of her as best he could. But she was not his child. She was the dragon's child. And she must be allowed to be what she was. <laughs> It's very sweet and very sad. <laughs> and then at the end of that, someone comes and tracks down Gabrielle and it's like, oh, you the the one who travels with Xena and or used to. And Gabrielle's brought to Xena who was wounded in the fight with the... Well, at, at the end of that, um, the, the walk out oh, of the Oh, so, sorry, the, the, I forgot. That, that's a different part. End of part seven. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. The drunk complained loudly. 
Now she's gone, and she never did tell a story about Xena and the barmaid who was mentioned earlier, who's really enjoyed the story and really got mm-hmm. to know the bard and how they tell stories after a while, said, The barmaid looked on her best customer with contempt. Fool, every story she tells is about Xena. And it's a good lie. Yeah. yeah. And it's great because it causes you, like, I don't think you could have recognized that had it not been said. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, but uh, maybe you could have. But I wasn't thinking about it. But you reflect back on all the stories and you're like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They totally are. It's, it's good. great. It's yeah. really good. It makes me think of they say of the elves where there were some like one or two lines like that where we were just like, yes, that's the perfect thing to say at this story in the short story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> perfect thing at the right time. And so part eight reconciliations where she gets to see Xena, who's been, you know, wounded in battle. We like we saw the whole fight and so we know exactly how she's wounded and like xena didn't win handily it was pretty rough like broken yeah. arm broken ribs mm-hmm. yeah the line is how is she gabrielle asked she has a she has broken ribs a broken arm and she's bleeding somewhere inside he said that's like the healer he expected shock and got relief <laughs> so she'll be all right a normal person would be dead already he answered yeah your friend will probably be fine it's very D. it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> no yeah she's like down 60 hit points but like it's fine Mm. <laughs> then they relax. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's not dead yet. She'll uh, be absolutely fine. Up, right. Up until the literal point where she is dead. No problem. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a rough fight, but it was like kind of like a, they respected each other kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then she beheaded him. So. <laughs> and then, um, you know, Gabriel comes in and says, oh, so you're not dying after all? Zina says, I had to say something to get you here. <laughs> and so, and they kind of have like some nice moments and stuff. And, uh, but I don't, I don't quite get it because there's this moment, like they seem to be getting along fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Zina says, but then Zina, they kissed again longer this time. And it was Zina who finally pulled away. She tried to fix her lover with a hard warrior stare. If you're only here to nurse me back to health, you can leave now. I'm here forever, Gabrielle promised. And, but like, what? Were they well, supposed to be apart? Because the last time we saw them in yeah. the like, yeah, okay, no, yeah, from the very mo, from the very beginning, we had that one scene. I don't need anything from you at the very beginning, but like, after the authors spent so long like painting this line very carefully about the progress of their relationship, there's these huge gaps in why they broke up uh. and why they're back together here. That just like I didn't quite get why it was so unexplored. Okay. My impression, yeah. and this could be wrong, is that, um, what was it, is this part six, where they have both been married, are no longer married, finally come back together, mm-hmm. and have the the third sex scene where things are like a little more equal between them. My impression was that was really recent, and that mm. like, uh, they'd had that moment, but they hadn't clarified what their relationship was going to be. So, like, the last scene is about them clarifying that Gabrielle actually, like, actually wants to be with Xena and not just, like, come back and fuck okay, from but time to time. I, okay, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, but you have a really good point because it's not clear when Gabrielle as the bard is telling this story or, like, why Xena was getting drunk in right. that bar for three days, which is really uncharacteristic, like we pointed out, unless something else would have happened but, Between but, them. But we're saying it happened after, like, their touching, you know, heartfelt, yeah. like, start of a love. Like, because it... I don't know. I just didn't quite get how some of those things were connected. You're right. I'm not sure either. My my only impression is that, like, maybe last week they had sex, and now they're, like, let's talk about our relationship or something, but... You go hang out in a bar and I'll go tell stories. I know, I know. I, I know. It doesn't... You're right. It doesn't actually make that much sense. It's just that I, that was the only way I could kind of clarify for myself. I mean, it doesn't make sense continuity-wise, but I kind of took it in the same pace and tone as the fairy tale stories. Yeah. Where this happens and then this happens and then this spe- spectacular thing happens and then the spectacular thing happens and they're not necessarily... Uh, connected, it just keeps moving from one point to the other. And then there's this like mm-hmm. quieter coming back and committing after all this stuff yeah. happening at the end. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Where emotionally it doesn't seem wrong somehow. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't question but, it at all until you brought that up. Actually, I was, same. That makes sense. <laughs> totally. Now they're together. Emotionally, it seems right. It's just like 
I, I felt that contrast between the very clear continuity of the yes. Gabrielle backgrounds and the unclear continuity of everything else. I think there should have been a nod to it or something. Yeah, something maybe. Something to distinguish, like, when the... Because we bounce back and forth in time when Gabrielle is telling this story. Mm. And, yeah. like, whether they're... And, because it's like, you're right, there... Someone mentioned before this, I think Dom mentioned three different things. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's Gabrielle telling a story as the bard. Mm -hmm. It's Gabrielle's reflections on her relationship with Xena, and it's Xena in the present. And if we'd had a timeline for when each of those three things were kind of going on, I think it would make a lot more, like, literal sense. Mm -hmm. But we know, sort of, when they're happening, because... Gabrielle's telling the stories in the bar, like at the same time that Xena is fighting some, you know, badass giant mm -hmm. because she's like called in. But, right. but that doesn't tell us when she's talking in terms of that reflection. Right. Whatever. The reflection, yeah, I guess the, it's really the ref, the internal reflection. That's what is that we're not in time yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And if we're like, we're going to wrap up this story really soon. And usually we complain about things first. And mm -hmm. that's what I would complain about most, is just that, like, I don't get how that ending ties into the main Xena-Gabriel rela relationship-building content we were getting in the rest of the story. I just don't get where it hooks in. And that yeah. bothers me a little bit as a reader. Yeah, I, I, I might just piggyback on that also. Just, just kind of mention that the continuity was choppy. Mm -hmm. I didn't mind it, but it, it was. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, too. I think the structure could have been a little more clear. It was nice that they divided it into parts, but it's like, if your part's going to be the same person reflecting and then the same person telling a story, I I think you've got to be super tight with that, and they weren't. Well, it seems to me like they're doing it in the style of a bunch of vaguely related vignettes. Mm -hmm. And if that was the case, then they should have been less related than they were. Mm. Yeah. Or more related. They're just in a weird, uncanny valley. Right. I think my biggest problem is, like, the thing we were just touching on. This this ending part, like, in between part six, where they have that, like, coming together scene, and then part eight again, where they have another coming together. It's like, I really wish those would have been connected in some way. I kind of feel like the author lost the thread towards the end there. And almost it's a little redundant that they came together in their... Because there was a theme of sex being their intimacy. Mm -hmm. They had a coming together in yeah. part six. And then of, the story and goes then on it, for a little while Yeah, longer. it goes on a little longer than <laughs> they came together again. But I'm just not sure why that was necessary. Yeah. It makes me think of, like, our very first episode, The Weakest Link, which a lot of people listen to because it's the number one, mm -hmm. where, like, the author was also doing cool things with, like, jumping around continuity mm -hmm. stuff. And it's like, I, I see what you're doing, and it is cool, but it's just not quite deft enough for it to be, like... Mm -hmm. It's a little distracting in ways. Like, is it all in service of the story, necessarily? Right. Well, I think when you're doing that stuff and you're playing with these these formal elements mm -hmm. or these structure elements, you just have to be really careful that they actually serve your story. Right. And I do think at the end, the author kind of lost how they were serving the story. It might have been better if they'd broken it down just into the the bard tales and the current narrative mm -hmm. rather than all three different things. Well, what would you most praise about the fanfic? What do you like or take away from it? I love the writing in this. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, I will say I think the sex scenes are really well written. This author clearly has, like, a clear grasp on, like, you know, kind of how to write about healthy sexual relationships without fetishizing or getting too self-indulgent. Like, mm -hmm. even to the point where they do a variation on it three times. Yeah. And it's not, and, right? It's, it's kind of... Yeah. It, and it, it's really well done in it, that. It shows like, a lot of range there. It's not just like they only know one way to, one sex right. to write or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I will say, say it's kind of a little oversimplified, but they're using it in lieu of having a relationship conversation by demonstrating different sexual dynamics, which mm -hmm. I actually think shows a good range in their writing. I My favorite parts were the dragon story. Yeah. I thought those were done Both in a fairy tale style. Yeah, all the, the dragon stories, like... They were done in a fairy tale style, but like the writing became like just so like beautiful and in, uh, like s such amazing like little moments, such as you know we touched on the 
finding the beauty of the dragon to be the most fearsome or whatever. Like, just little moments of prose that felt really amazing to me. Little moments. Little moments outside the stories, too. When she's talking in the first story about, oh, yeah, you know, the dragon, like, raised all these kids and named them after the dragon's own, like, former Mm -hmm. kids. There's a little aside about how, like, some women in the audience who were there in the tavern were paying attention and like there's there would be some kids named like in the next few years after those dragon kids yeah because they're like oh that's really cool (laughs) like there's some neat little world building touches like that or you know Mm -hmm. the 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 blood mopping up you know bartender guy or like you know the flavor of the camp it's not just a generic army camp that xena goes to assist it's like one that has its own character and those are all things that are aside from any of the main points or themes of the story, but make it more interesting to read. And, you know, I think I appreciated that. Maybe it would probably isn't like my number one thing to praise about the fanfic, but you already talked about, like, the other two really good things about it. (laughs) (laughs) I think no matter what this author writes, um, it comes out very clearly in, like, a really... I don't know, like, it's not overly flowery, but, like, a pretty way, you know? Like, everything is kind of just very lovely to read. Any last comments, Dom? I mean, y'all kind of covered all of it. Yeah. Like, like, it was a lot of little good moments and, like, very romantic in, in general in, like, all senses of the word. And just practical people in there also was a fun contrast, and it made sense, and... I liked it, and I might end up cutting this part out. <laughs> <laughs> we can't say we liked fanfics. We're going to lose, lose our, all of our well, viewer well, I, don't th- I don't think I'm adding anything. <laughs> well, you, you did read a couple moments of prose that you, you really liked. So I like, did, yeah. Uh, during the d- discussion, I read some, some of the parts that jumped out uh, to me that, that I liked the most, and I don't have too much more to add. Okay. You can cut that out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I will. <laughs> Next week, we are jumping back over to our second fan film because technically we did do Redeath, if that counts. Uh, but this is a little bit. We also did the Star Trek one. That doesn't count because we assigned the fanfic. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right. I forgot. Second and a half fan film. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're going to be My watching bad. the 1997 classic, only 10 minutes long Star Wars fan thing called troops you can find that online all over the place on youtube i don't really need to give a link in or anything right it's like everywhere just google troops yeah just star google wars it. troops star wars you're there yeah. done fun fact i was just watching that earlier today and my roommate was like oh yeah i know that and like literally just from the sound of it coming from my bedroom she knew what i was watching it's the one everyone knows and yeah. I, I mean even i saw it once and i haven't seen anything star wars fandom related um as for this this was episode 72 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, The Dragon's Child by Domenica, a Xena the Warrior Princess fanfic. You can find a link there at bit.ly slash RFR dragon. Isn't it like Domencia or something? Um, domen... Do, dominions... How does how is it spelled? <laughs> Again, continuing our theme of not knowing how to pronounce anything. <laughs> <laughs> D-O-M-E-N-I-C-A. Dominicia. Dom- Dominica. Dominica. Domin- Do- Dominica. You're right. That's an Isa. That's definitely not an Ica. Dominica. Was it I A? D O M E N I C A. Dominica. No, it's Dominica then. I thought it was I A. Dominica. Dominica or Domin. No, I, I think it would be Isia if it was I A, but. Makes sense if it's CA. Anyway. Our, our language is messed up. <laughs> That's true. This person's name might not even be in English, so there we go. There you go. Um, anyway. If this author ever listens to this, please tell us how to pronounce your name. Please. I mean, <laughs> going back to the weakest link, that happened, right? The author like sent us a yeah. a message a long time later, like, you know, very thoughtful, like mm-hmm. commentary on our coverage of it. And also, I found out how to say their name. It was positive gradient, <laughs> not plus sign gradient. Oh, really? Yes. I commented uh, on it on Twitter, but I guess I didn't tell you directly. That's what it was. It was positive gradient, no, which I, makes, I makes just way more sense. I re-listened to that episode, so I'm just, like, so delighted that we found that out. <laughs> the intro song for this podcast is the weekly fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. 
The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you have comments, questions, or thoughts about the episode, or about Xena, or about our lack of knowledge about Xena, <laughs> please contact us on Twitter at Retrofanfic, send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com, contact us on Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective, there's a Facebook group, the message would still get to us at Retrofanfic. We're getting an Instagram going. Are we? Yes. Very exciting. <laughs> there's even a YouTube channel where you can leave comments, and some people even did. Uh, Tori, did we <laughs> tell you about that comment we got about the... Uh... Final Fantasy VII episode? We're still excited about getting no. a single comment on anything. What was the comment? Tell me. Let's pull it up. Yeah. I hope it was good, otherwise I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> okay. I mean, I remember the gist. It was like, I remember that fanfic. I Yeah. I used to read these when I was about 12, liked them so much, I printed them out and stapled a spine so I, I could take them on family vacations. I feel slightly less lame knowing other people re- remember these. That's uh, kind of the unstated goal of this podcast is to make other people feel slightly less lame. I mean, I, I really want to say, remember when we started this podcast and I was like sort of ashamed of reading fan fiction? I vaguely do remember yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. Like, because I've, like a lot of people who were in my life at the time were making fun of me for it and they're not in my life anymore because <laughs> guess what? I don't care. It's like, I don't understand why people should be ashamed of anything that's not hurting anyone else and that they like. And I think fanfiction is awesome. We've gotten a few comments like that about like, oh yeah, I like that fanfic. But I mean, we've also gotten so many comments from the authors who like are really appreciative of someone like reading their stuff and taking it seriously and like talking about it like seriously, more or less. I mean, who knew that talking about things seriously and not like like it was a joke was a niche market? (laughs) It's pretty niche. Well, Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's because a lot of people are fuckboys. That is true, yeah. 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 Majority, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or, or at least a loud minority. <laughs> a majority of people are fuckboys, yes. yes. <laughs> that's our conclusion. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can also leave comments on podcast programs. Please do that. All right, the, the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the show, the stuff. Uh, clearly, all of our listeners are wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Don't get us wrong. Every single one of them. Well, I, I listen sometimes, too, so... Oh, well, with a few exceptions. <laughs> Gosh, I still don't understand why you guys are friends. <laughs> I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dominica. <laughs> We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. I'll figure out how to pronounce my name at some point. <laughs> I'll figure out how you guys are trying to be nice to each other at some point. <laughs>
if you're comparing him between those two, but like, look at that intense gaze. Like, <laughs> I don't like it. I I don't know. It I it really has everything to do with the personality in the movie. It's like literally just like a like a stoic show off. You're just like, all right, boring as heck. Yeah. Talking elvish in the company of other people in the yeah. company who can't speak elvish. It's like rude as so It's like, I'm just going to talk to Aragorn now. <laughs> that seems super so rude. fucking arrogant. Like, <laughs> I just, I can't handle it. Like, he did that for, like, survival reasons. Like, if you don't want somebody to listen in on you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he normally does that when, like, there's a bunch of other people around. I could be misremembering. I remember it mostly just when it's just him and Aragorn. Well, when yeah. Legolas is around other people that Legolas actually talks to, it's elves. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. He doesn't chat much with the hobbits or anything, right. does he? And that's or, why, or, or anyone. Yeah. Or anyone. Gimli. Which is why it's like really hard to find him attractive because he doesn't show much of a personality or interest <laughs> in other people. I don't uh, know. Maybe he really I'm, is just like... Maybe that's just me. Maybe, the Blue Ranger to Aragorn's like heroic red, isn't he? Yeah. Okay. Aragorn, I'd hit that. <laughs> well, for sure. Gimli, too. He's got that facial hair. <laughs> yeah. It helps. I mean, I agree. Right? <laughs> As, as someone with facial hair, I, yeah. I'm all for this characterization like, of it as being right. naturally sexy, yes. If you're going to be a rugged, stoic man, you've got to at least have a little bit of scruff, right? 